And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final hour of the show on a Thursday afternoon. Kellen Olson's going to join us in about 15 minutes. We'll, maybe he'll bring some sanity to the show. Uh, yeah. Unlikely. Maybe he'll bring. Really? Maybe, maybe he'll walk in mumbling about Kevin Durant the way you were before. No, no, honestly, he's not a mumbler. No, but Killer. at this point. Killer, I think, is going to enlighten us. I think he's going to bring us up. I think he's going to say, all is well. You I think? think? He's, I do. Uh, I think he's going to be the healing salve, metaphorically speaking, that we all need. Or not. <laughs> I was going to say, don't set the bar. Once again, an unrealistic positive. No, no, look, maybe Kellen will come in. Maybe Kellen will come in and tell us that Katie's playing tomorrow. Who's our caller who was so down in the dumps? Um, we had a couple of them, but. Yeah, there's a few. Who, who was it? Oh, man, I'm spacing. Not Tom. You're not right thinking now. of Tom. You're thinking yeah, of somebody no, else. No, it was Tom oh. who called it a failure. Well, yeah, he, the trade. He, he said right now. Dumb. He said right now the trade is a failure. I thought he was pretty mad at The guy fact, before actually. him was Joe? Uh, Barrett. Barrett was one of the callers. I remember that. Yeah, Barrett. I, I think I, the I, guy before him. It was, was Barrett, him. and I have it right here. Oh, Bennett. I'm sorry, it was Bennett. It yeah. was Bennett. I'm sorry, yes, Bennett. Okay, Bennett. Bennett. Have, sorry, Barrett. <laughs> I don't know why everyone's so shocked. This is classic Arizona sport. I don't think that Arizona, you know, the Suns, the way they're built now, I don't think we're going to win the championship this year. I don't even think we'll make it through the first round because we have no bench. We only have one and a half superstars starting right now. Chris Paul's washed. Um, Devin Booker, he's he's struggling too. And I just am curious, you know, what besides Ron Wolfley, what's the best thing to come out of Arizona sports? All right, cut that. It's all, it's, you know, it's our tradition of losing. That, that, okay, there it is right there. <laughs> it's you and the tradition of losing. The tradition, well, that is synonymous. <laughs> that is right there. Um yeah, I just honestly, he was down in the dumps. He was. Bennett was down in the dumps. <laughs> Having reheard the call now, he definitely yeah, was. Yeah. He was down in, a, down in a hole. You know who um, wasn't, though? What? Well, finish what you're going to say, because I'm no, switching topics. I was going to say Tom was, was um, I don't want to say down in a hole. He was accurate. Yeah, right? Tom was. was accurate. He was very straightforward. He was. He said. He said it was a failure. The, at this point, at the, this point, at, the trade's a failure. Yeah, but he really didn't. He didn't qualify it. He just said it was a failure. Right? Well, he, he qualified he at the beginning. Did he really? He said. Okay. He said this could change. Okay, which yeah. is what he made said, him so accurate. He said, "Right now, it's a failure." Yes. Um, oh, how okay, many points? Thank you. Mikel has 432 points as a Brooklyn Net, and Kevin Durant hasn't played his first home game. So, yes, <laughs> I would say right now, okay. it's, if you were judging it on the first six weeks, yeah, yeah, you would be right. <laughs> uh, one guy we talked to today that was in a great mood, he was just sanding the door right off his house, was uh, Max Starks. Remember oh, yeah, that? Max. And um, he, he actually likes what the Cardinals have done. Uh, this uh, this offseason so far, specifically with the offensive line, which was good to hear because anybody who doesn't know Max, he played offensive line in the, in the league for long enough to win two Super Bowls. I don't know his exact year total. Well, you know, I listening. love it. 
But Seriously, Calvin Beecham, Will Hernandez, yeah, here we go. I would say that's the most encouraging thing that they've done so far this offseason is address the offensive line. Here's what Max had to say when he joined us. Well, I mean, I like what they've done uh, to bolster the offensive line, going and getting Pro Holt to come in and be that center position, obviously, with the whole Rodney Hudson situation. Um, I think, you know, that was something that needed to be addressed early and often. I think getting Dennis Daly as well to bolster the depth at the tackle position because of injuries last season was a good move. I mean, I know a lot of people have had a lot of uh, vitriol and I talked about it earlier today, but he is a backup. He is a guy who's a swing, fill, offensive line. He's not coming in to start. They re-signed Kelvin Beecham to two years to make sure of that. So so for all the people out there that are worried about this, this is a experienced lineman for depth. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that depth uh, signing right now, but for me, I I think he also was going to get a shot at left guard, and I don't think he's a tackle. I don't like him as a tackle. Now, again, as a backup for depth, I get that you've got to have guys that can be swing guys. You got to have guys you can play tackle, guys you can play left tackle, and that's what he played all last year. And. He kind of struggled. He struggled. He yeah. struggled. His, there's no kind of, as a matter of fact, he struggled out at left tackle. So for me, I see him more as a guard and a guy that could line up and compete for a starting left guard position, not as a tackle. I don't like him as a tackle. Uh, one of the other things we asked Max, Max, for people that don't, don't know, covers college football a lot during the season and obviously also went to the University of Florida. So he seems like a good guy to ask about Anthony Richardson. I think that three seed, you can move back a spot or two. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts want to just jump up to three. Yes. And they're willing to give up some pieces and some resources to ensure that they get a quarterback at that uh, um, before somebody else. And they have their pick of them, a la post Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, whether it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. That's the hope, right? I mean, that's probably your biggest hope heading into draft night is that the Colts want to move up one spot. That's the best case scenario. Yeah, there is no way in the world that is not going to happen, <laughs> right? I know it absolutely could not happen, but I think somebody else would move up. Oh if it's my not goodness! The Colts. It's, there's no way. There's no way the Colts need a quarterback, and I would be stunned if they sat right where they are right now. I, I that that's the one thing I think I'm more sure of than anything else that the Colts are going to move up to number three. Okay. Okay. There's all this speculation that is out there about the draft. All of this speculation. The one thing you don't have to speculate, Basinonians, is to the Colts moving up to number three. I wish I had your confidence on this one. Because that's the best of both worlds. You get the trade down and you still get Will Anderson. Yeah. Um, the other thing Max did say about uh, Anthony Richardson is probably would do better if he came back to college for one more year. Right. But if you're going to be a top three or a top four pick, why would you at this point, right? I mean, yeah. you can go back to college and not have as good of a year and the quarterback class is better next year and you're the seventh quarterback off the board. What did you really accomplish? I used to be the, it sure would be great to see some loyalty to your school guy. Schools don't have loyalty to you and everybody moves around at this point anyway. Yeah. So if you're going to be a top three pick, yeah, this is why you're doing this. But it was interesting that he said he, he's somebody that could probably benefit with a, another year of college starting for Florida. 
where now we may see the Colts trade up to three to draft him. Or, yeah. According to you, they are trading up to three. As a matter of fact, Picks, go ahead, Pixie, and pull that. Pull what I just said on the air oh, and put it into the audio file, please. That's how confident I am. I've never done this before, ever. That's how confident I am that the Colts, barring, okay, if somebody else trades up to number three, that, okay, Indianapolis, I told you, barring that happening, somebody giving more to the Arizona Cardinals than what the Colts would get, Yeah, the Colts are going to move to number three. They're going to move to number three. Where did you say to save that? To the audio file? Yes. Implying we have one file on the desktop? Yeah. I, well, the audio file audio? is this huge. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> is, is it up on the cloud? No. I, yeah, exactly. Okay. Have you ever seen it? It's in the digital sphere. <laughs> the digital sphere, basically, is massive. They don't let me onto the digital sphere. There's My, like 480,000 gigabytes. Now think about that. I don't know what that means. It's, well, neither it's do you. more than you. <laughs> it's <laughs> more than you could possibly imagine, Luke. <laughs> it's more than I could comprehend. We'll put that in the audio file with um, Wolf mumbling about KD. <laughs> Wolf walking through the, uh, the the field of flowers, picking <laughs> dandelions. Exactly. Whipping its head off. Wolf calling out uh, Simon and Garfunkel earlier in the show. All right. What was... Uh, what was <laughs> Forgot about that. I can't even speak. Kellen Olson's going to join us next. Hopefully, he's Killer. going to bring some sanity to the show. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I just see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olson, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. Kellen Olson is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line at this exact moment, Wolf. Hopefully, he will bring some calmness to the valley right okay. now. Yeah. He is our son's guru. That would be all. nice right now. A little positivity. Kellen, what's going on, buddy? What's up? Doing well. Thanks for having me. All right. See, that was positive. Yeah, that's that's okay. we're good. Right Thanks for right calling in, Kellen. We'll talk Great to you later. Great salutation. Um, okay, look. We have to start with the officiating because there's no way to have you on and not bring it up at all. So my question is not going to be so much about the officiating. My question is going to be about you're around this team a lot, about uh, how much does it seem to be affecting these guys, just their mentality in general, or is that kind of being overblown? I think it's affecting them quite a bit, and it's affecting them in a few different ways. First of all, the most obvious and, and most of what you're getting at there is that it's affecting the way that they're thinking in in a negative way in terms of them just letting like the anger and the frustration get to them. But there were also just a couple of plays last night where I saw a Suns defender hesitate to even make contact with someone driving for the Lakers. And uh, a Kogi did it twice, and I could tell both times he was just trying to avoid getting called for what he had gotten called uh, a foul for previously. And that's where it just really starts to become a problem, and I think that's maybe part of what had to spark Monty Williams' argument, but if you look at opposing free throw rates since the All-Star break, the Suns have been by far the worst team in the league in terms of the amount of free throws that they give up, so the, the reason for the frustration in terms of the outlier is there. Now, I think the discussion here is how much of that has to do with how much the Suns are fouling, and how much of it has to do with the whistle that they're getting, and I think that it's more 90-10 in terms of them fouling as opposed to the, the whistle that they get, but 
I know Suns fans will debate it's 50-50 or they'll debate it's 90-10 in the other way. I know people will disagree with me or, or agree with me, and, and some will say it's like 100-0, that they're just fouling and they need to get over the fact that the, there's no whistle discrepancy, whatever you want to call it, right? But the bottom line is they're fouling at just a uh, horrendous rate right now. That number that I mentioned since the All-Star break, they're dead last in free throw rate by a crazy high number. The discrepancy between them as the team in 30th and the team in 29th right now is the discrepancy between them in 30th and and the, and the team in 5th in the overall regular season leaderboard. Like oh, That's how geez. much they're fouling compared to any other team in the league right now in the last dozen games. So that is the reason for the frustration and why it's at an all-time high right now because the fouls are getting called at an all-time high, but also you just watch how many of those calls last night were, were on them, and it, and it just the majority of them were fouls. They just got to stop fouling. So how long is it going to be before Monty gets ejected from a game? Hey, there's there's my next question. Yeah, I don't know, Wolf. He's never been the type. I think we learned in his first season here, he's never the type to just get a technical foul just to motivate his players. And the closest thing we'll get to anything of that sort is kind of what we saw last night where he'll rant for a minute and a half and two minutes and then uh, leave his press conference. He's only done that one other time, and that was when the team started 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, in the finals year, they lost to OKC and they were losing games, uh, funnily enough, the way that they are right now, which is just lacking consistency over four, four quarters. And you'll remember Monty just kind of repeated that sentiment of consistency over four quarters a few different times and then just said, that's all I've got to say and left the room. And and the coincidence there is, is, like I said, it's kind of funny just because they're lacking consistency over four quarters right now in five of their last six games. They've been losses. And even if you look at the win against Orlando, they were up nine with about eight minutes left, and then they gave up a 9-0 run to have the game tied with five minutes left. They wound up winning that game, but they've just had these little stretches in the second half and primarily the fourth quarter of games lately where they just haven't been able to lock in, and we saw it again last night. They scratched and clawed through horrible mistakes defensively and horrible mistakes with turnovers to be within one, and then they just give up that 10-2 run in two minutes, and they're chasing the game again. So yeah. It's one of those problems where officiating has been an issue for them, and, and fouls have been an issue for them, but it just comes down to execution. Like, I don't care about the, to be honest, like, I don't really care about the Devin Booker, how much help does he need question, how much they're missing Kevin Durant. They have been such a great team at executing and winning games in the last two to three years under Bonnie Williams. It hasn't mattered who has been playing, and that part of their DNA, the signature part of their team, has just been missing the last two weeks. Do you think players would like to see Monty Williams get ejected? Say that again, Wolf? Do you think players would like to see Monty Williams get ejected? Do you think that would do anything for his team? I don't think so, just because they know how Monty is at, at this point, to be honest. And I think that what they would like to see more than anything is just to get every single call that they feel like that they should get because I think the frustration boiled over last night partially because of Austin Reeves too. Like, look, Giannis and Shea are Giannis and Shea. Like, Giannis is going to get a lot of free throws. Shea is going to get a lot of free throws. Those are two super downhill guys. And Austin Reeves was playing downhill last night, but he just, like, really broke onto the scene as a scorer three weeks ago. And he's got 53 free throw attempts in the last four games. And I would say (laughs) half of those last night were calls that he was getting the benefit of the doubt on. And when you give the benefit of the doubt on of the doubt away as an official most of the time it's to some of the bigger names only who have really established themselves and for him to be getting that already it was it was just a little bit ridiculous like i i love austin reeves i talked about him at one point on your guys' show two three years ago when we were talking about the pre-draft process i loved him out of oklahoma we talked about then how he got to the free throw line it's been a skill 
that he's had forever. But there just needs to be some balance. And just like the buzz around the league, especially this morning coming out of last night and the issue with the Mavericks and Warriors game is just that the officiating overall as a standard and how the players feel about it specifically, the reputation of just the referees has never been lower than it is. Because I know fans just see everyone complaining all the time. Nothing really changes on that front. Players are always going to complain does feel like they're complaining more or less. It's more so about what they're saying behind the scenes, and they just feel like it's at an all-time low right now. Talking to Kellen Olsen. Kellen, uh, you know, everybody's heard the, the Monty Williams uh, clip after the game last night where he spoke, and then he, he walked off. Um, one of the things he said in there that hasn't really gotten a lot of attention, but it kind of stood out to me, and I want to get your thoughts on it, is, is he talked about you know talking to the officials and them saying, essentially, you guys are you're a mid-range team. You take mid-range shots. I mean... How much of this, in your mind, on the other side of the floor, not the Suns committing fouls, but in terms of them not getting calls, do you feel like they're being punished for being a mid-range team? And do you see this with other mid-range shooting teams? I, I think that they're getting punished justifiably. I, I'm, I'm trying to like figure out the right way to say that. I, I don't believe that they should get an unfair whistle because they don't get to the rim enough. But one of the things Monty cited in that rant, too, was that their bench had zero free throws and campaign's never taken over 100 free throws in a season before. Landry Shamit's never done that either. You you watch campaign drive, and a lot of the time when he's scoring at the rim, it's not with contact. He's taking a lot of floaters. Landry Shamit's been really good in the last two games, but even last night, again, we saw that once he starts dribbling inside the three-point line and there's a driving lane open to the basket, oftentimes he just doesn't take it. He'll either take the pull-up jumper or just pass it out and, and reset. Like, they're not a team that has generated free throws. I think the only real guy on the team that does it consistently is Devin Booker. Kevin Durant will be the second. Of course, we know the story there with John Drayton, but they just don't take, they don't take a lot of shots at the rim because it, they're it because of like this genius, like design, right? It's just because they don't take a lot of shots at the rim. That's not their style of play necessarily. And it just so happens that they're awesome in, in the mid range as well. And I think that a lot of what you watch with them in a game, it makes sense that they're bottom five in the league, pretty much bottom three in the league every year in terms of free throw rate. So I, I don't really see the argument for them getting more free throws just because of the way that they play. But I understand Monty's frustration and being mm. like, you can't just say we play this style and then and, and then referee us a certain way. But at the same time, I'm not really sure what the numbers are in terms of what he's seeing and what he's arguing for in terms of how they get to the line compared to everyone else. And, and they better figure it out because the, the 76ers are second in free throw rate. The Kings are seventh, and they're coming up in the next two games. So not only do they have to even – got to even that balance out because right now they're – those numbers suggest that there's going to be more of a free throw discrepancy in the next couple of days as well. Killer, are any of the players talking about the dangers of focusing too much on the referees? Have you heard any of that kind of conversation? I think that Chris kind of alluded to it last night and, and, and Book did too. I think that you hear snippets, you hear cuts everywhere, right? But the, the thing that these guys always say is that we understand that like the majority of these or a good portion of these are fouls, but they're just looking for consistency all the way across instead of like the 60, 70%, like they'd like to see it closer to 90 or a hundred. Right. And I think that's something that they, they want to see book mentioned last night to Dwayne Rankin that he, he watches these back. Like he sees that he's getting fouled or, or the fouls that he gets called for. And something he talked about last night was just the fact that they had to burn their challenge last night because Book got hit in the face but originally got called for an offensive foul. Yeah. So it's just 
those little things that can really add up to go back to the epic Fred Van Vliet reign of like a month and a half ago about how things can change in a game. Like we know how important a challenge can be late in the game. And the Suns have had a handful of situations this year where they've had to burn it on just a really bad call. And the challenge shouldn't be in place just to correct like a horrendous mistake by a referee. It should be in place to have the absolute right call happen in a critical situation. And that that's something that, has been a frustration point for them over the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, that's very well said. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. Thank you for the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. That's Kellen Olson, our own Kellen Olson of ArizonaSports.com joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. That's the way he put that at the end. The the challenge isn't in place for the officials to just mess up calls and be like, oh, if it's bad, just fix it for us. It's supposed to be there at the end of the game if there's a close call that you understand that the official might not get right, that you can challenge it. And it... It's not a great uh, time for NBA officiating because we haven't even talked about that Dallas game last night. And what was it? Uh, what it was? Mark Cuban called it maybe the worst non-call in the history of basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think the Suns are unhappy, go ahead and have a conversation with uh, with Mark Cuban. And like I was saying earlier, Wolf, um, you watch the replay of that Mark Cuban of the Dallas play where Dallas doesn't get told who has the ball and Golden State just scores. There's no Dallas players on the court. The comments back are all Warriors fans complaining about an earlier call in the game. <laughs> right. It's like you just got handed two points and you're complaining about something else. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, March Madness starts back up here in about two hours. We'll get you the games that we're most interested in. And I have four teams in particular I really want to win. So we'll see what happens. It's uh, Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Finally back in this, the madness starting up in two hours. Michigan State, Kansas State. You ready? Um, Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. This is what I love the most. The Sweet 16 is here. Yeah, this you like this better than the first weekend for some reason. Yeah, I do. Um, You know, uh, I, I like it because teams that have upsets and gotten into the Sweet 16, like Michigan State. Can I just can I just say Tom Izzo? Do you think Tom Izzo has ruined some brackets over the years, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, Tom Izzo has definitely done that. Yet somehow, some way, as a seven seed, Michigan State is into the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. I love to see that. The guy is an unmitigated legend at the college level. He is one of the best coaches in the history of college basketball, and somehow, some way, he's in. I love to see that. A guy in a team in a school that we love when it comes to college basketball, or most of us. <laughs> most of us do. I respect him greatly because of it, and therefore love Michigan well, State. He's, he's the only coach left in this tournament who's won the tournament before. Think about that. That's, oh, that, that is, is crazy. Great, that's great. So it's possible. I mean, if Michigan State loses to Kansas State, who... I have no ties to Kansas State at all, but I appreciate them taking Kentucky out. So that that, that alone makes that gives them a special place in my heart. But if they can somehow take out Michigan State, then there's no coaches left that have a, uh, a national yeah. title, and that would be in like we'd be we'd still have 
what, 15 teams left at that point. That right there, you want to talk about a brawl, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, of course. I'm not talking about literally, but Michigan State, Maybe Kansas literally. State, here we go. Well, Arkansas-UConn? You Arkansas's, want to talk about desperation. Arkansas's got two potential lottery picks on their yeah. team, and UConn's one of the hottest teams in basketball. That's a good one. Uh, FAU-Tennessee, and then the one tonight, it, to me, is the headliner, Gonzaga-UCLA, because I do believe either one of those teams could win it all. I just want to make sure here, before before I give my four teams that I want to win in this yeah. round, so to, you know tonight and tomorrow, your final four teams are Alabama, Tennessee, Houston, and UCLA? Yes. Okay, so then I, that means but the four teams I want to win are San Diego State, FAU, <laughs> Miami, and Gonzaga. You know, your final four, um, you, we all know at this point in time as well, anybody that has filled out a bracket, anybody that's played a bracket, um, anybody that is gambling right now, you, you, you've got to feel really, really good about your bracket if your final four is intact. Right. I mean, you will admit that, especially now. this year, right now, especially this year. I'm glad you said that, Luke. But I think for the most part, most of us would agree that if you've got your sweet 16 and you're 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 cut down to those 16 teams and four of them you have in your final four. Mm hmm. You're in good shape right now. Have we scored your bracket versus Lawrence yet? Have we decided who's winning? No. Okay. I'm just going to. What annoys me? Three. What annoys me the most about the fact that you have all four of your final four teams intact still is that it's been such an exciting tournament full of upsets, and yet you still have all four of them. Well, you know, in the end, you've got to go with the consistency factor, and the consistency is unquestionable when it comes to the BP. I was going to say, this feels like somebody doing a book report in school on a book they haven't read. And they're like, well, you know, the book's all about uh, society in such a way where society interacts well, with sociology. Me, do I sit around and watch college basketball games? I do not, uh, honestly. Uh, I, I've watched five, okay? And those were bits and pieces of five. Give me one of your four precious final but four I'm not teams. But ta- I'm not talking about once the tournament starts. Oh, yeah, the tournament. Not, every, oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, th- you were watching five games oh, at one time goodness. the other day. Yes, exactly. Uh, Love it once the tournament starts. What's your game today? Gonzaga-UCLA? Yeah. That's the game. That, right? that has to be the game right there, even though I want to see Tennessee, of course, my Vols. Yeah, that's um, definitely the one I want to mow lose. Right I definitely through. want FAU. Yes, just want to mow right through FAU right there. Come in here with a giant owl tattoo just tomorrow. Just buzzsaw them. Just, what time's that game on? I need to... Um, yeah, okay. All right, so, 6 o'clock. Perfect. Yeah, All right. right. Yeah. And, I mean, who would have picked? This is why the BPI is so important, Basin Arnie's. How many people out there had Tennessee? If you didn't go to Tennessee, if you didn't go to the school, how many people out there had Tennessee in their Final Four? There's got to be. First of all, Tennessee okay. isn't in the Final Four yet. They're in the Sweet 16. Well, I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. I'm trying. A four seed in the Final Four. Yes, that's never happened before. Well, no, but I, how often has that happened, Luke? I don't have these stats, but I bet. I see. I want. I want. Somebody's got to have that graphic that says how many people picked each team, right? Usually, ESPN I guess has what that. I'm bracket. saying once again, the percentages were not good. They fair. were not good. Well, they that's were. They were the say. underdogs. They are in a in a region that had Purdue as a number one seed. I don't think anybody trusted Purdue past the second round. Um, oh. Marquette, though. Marquette's who I had coming out of that region, so 
I really can't say anything. Yeah, I know. Well, and rightfully so. Yeah, no, I, I, I will sit in that corner <laughs> in shame. You cannot say anything. I'm going to sit in the broken chair over there and you just turn my chair towards the wall. Good luck on your two. Two teams, and I'm rooting against both of them just to take your bracket down. <laughs> I would rather UCLA and Houston both lose today just you know, so your bracket's um, shot. Just to reset for everybody that might be listening right now, uh, Pixie, you have two, right? Correct? No, oh, you have three. Okay, you have three left. Rick, you have two. Yes. And, Jem, um, just, you know, I know you're not listening right now, but uh, y- how many teams do you have alive in your He's final holding four? up five fingers. Yeah. He's got five teams left. Actually, I want to be like Wolf so much, I forgot to fill out my bracket. Yeah, oh, so boy. that's the way to do it. Okay. That means you have four left. Well, first of all, I didn't forget. Uh, I did fill it out. Oh, let's go check bracket box. I didn't do it online. Knock it off. Bracket I did old school. No, still not listed. Okay. Uh, which is the way that I had to do it because yes, I forgot about the time change and <laughs> showed know, up and was an hour behind. That that wouldn't have been a story if you weren't just so happy with your bracket right now. <laughs> I know. If your bracket I, was just a mess, nobody would bring up the fact that you didn't turn it in. I think we all know I hosed myself on this because I didn't. Uh, I did get hosed on the. T- time change. I didn't get a chance to fill it out. I go straight BPI based on onions. You know that. I've said it for years. I've admitted it for years. Yeah, I've also admitted I've won it three times. Okay, it's okay, time the to whole go thing. break. It's, uh, it's time for it's got to be time for a commercial. Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, has announced his retirement, and we want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620 and submit a video. A thank you, Al, message. We may even play it on the air, so text Al to 620-620. You working on your message <laughs> Al knows all about winning. It's, it's true. In uh, life, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to come back, wrap up the show with... Uh, a few interesting football notes, including a story I think is interesting that just came out of Houston. We'll see how you feel about it, Wolf. I don't think you know what it is yet, or maybe you do. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the show. Time to throw some NFL news at you, Wolf. I got a few stories here. Ezekiel Elliott is deciding between three teams. The New York Jets. Okay. The Cincinnati Bengals. Oh. And the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, You've got Sanders. He's gone. Mm -hmm. So that makes a lot of sense right there. So they have easily see that. Could they play him and Rashad? I mean, they could. Rashad Penny and Ezekiel Elliott as your running back. That works. That could definitely be a tandem right there. I think that would work. And they love to run the ball, even though their offense is as high powered as it is. They have the best offensive line in the National Football League. Yeah, I could easily easily see that happening. Uh, so that's that's one story, and it, it feels like if he goes to the Eagles, that would be sticking it to the Cowboys on some level. Second Which story. Which I'm sure he wouldn't mind doing. No, I don't think he would. At this point. Uh, go join the team in Not the division. That's bitter. Uh, don't be bitter. No, never. Uh, Bryce Young, pro day. Declined to weigh in at that pro day. Oh, boy. Which is funny because I've heard about a 40-pound range for how much Bryce, Bryce Young. Bryce Young's weight is described like you always have a relative around the holidays. that's like, ah, oh, yeah, I weigh like 170 and they weigh 210. Yeah. Except he's the other way around. He's telling people he weighs 204, but he won't actually weigh in. 
Yeah, you know, he, you were mentioning Houston a little bit earlier. What were you talking about in regard to Houston? Well, we're what getting there. The, oh, we're getting there yeah. because that could impact Bryce Young. Well, let me play this uh, Bryce Young draft profile first. Okay. Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. There's not many questions that Young needs to answer to prove he's a capable starter in the NFL. From winning three state titles at Matter Day High School to winning a Heisman Trophy in 2021 with the Crimson Tide, the signal caller knows how to win. Officially listed as 5'10 and 204 pounds, his smaller frame draws concern for future injuries, and his deep ball isn't as strong as some of the top names in the game. But his experience running an NFL-level offense under Bama OC Bill O'Brien shows optimism that he can get comfortable in a system early and become a day-one starter. NFL comp, former New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. I feel like that's the first draft profile we've heard voiced by Attack. Attack. It's it, such a great job. Can you just picture him playing the guitar as he's doing it? Like he was playing the music at the same time. Right, he is productive, no doubt about it. Even though he looks like he lost 11 pounds in the last two days, I have no idea why. Well, so does Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce Maybe Young. Maybe he's like a method actor. That's really interesting. Bryce Young, it, it, this is a concern with some NFL scouts in regard to Bryce Young. They love his inside. As a matter of fact, they love his inside more than they love his outside. And with CJ Stroud, it's just the opposite, which is interesting. Well, since you, you bring up C.J. Stroud... C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. He has just about everything you would want in a quarterback. He is accurate. He strikes without hesitation. He's fiercely competitive, and he shows maturity in his game management. Stroud was widely praised for his performance against Georgia in the college football playoff last season when he completed 68% of his passes for 348 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions against the eventual national champs. The one not against Stroud is his hesitation to use his legs. At Ohio State, he rarely took off running to extend drives. Most experts have him ranked as the second best quarterback in this class, only behind Alabama's Bryce Young. NFL comp, Lions quarterback Jared Goff. (laughs) Mm. Those NFL comps at the end. (laughs) Wait a minute, Jared Goff? Sick burn. Jared Goff, delicious. He had the the, the traits of C.J. Stroud. What are you talking about? Maybe Jared Goff's the one writing up these draft profiles. Oh, my goodness. I know. Hey, listen, I know that when you're voicing something, you just got to voice it. You you read what it says, based on audience. You have to. And you don't vary from that whatsoever. But really, who came up with that comp? (laughs) C.J. Stroud and Jared Goff? Look, I don't know what to tell you, but I want to get to the Houston story, okay? Okay. Because Will Anderson having his pro day. You want me to get over this, okay? No, I don't want you to get over it. I just want you to deal with it on your own time so I can talk to you about Will Anderson. Okay, great. Will Anderson apparently, reportedly, said at his pro day that the only team he has met with so far is the Houston Texans. Who are the coached only team. by D'Amico Ryans. So what's your point on that? Well, you think something might be up, a little something might be amiss here? No. I could see, this is what I'll say. I could see D'Amico Ryans really wanting to draft Will Anderson. Makes sense. Hmm. But they can't do that because they need a quarterback, obviously. But I just found it interesting that that would come out today. Here's the one thing about this. This, this has got my attention because... You've got two quarterbacks that are disparate. 
You really do. C.J. Stroud, of course, and Bryce Young. These guys are very, very disparate human beings. And if you don't like one of them, which is a real possibility because they're so different, um, you might want to put a for sale sign yourself out in front of your building or facility building, right? And I think that's exactly what might be happening this information being trickled out there that, uh, you know, they, they like Will Anderson at number two. You go ahead and make the implication, of course. It's not even the information at this time of year. It's why the information is being leaked, right? I mean, that's basically what you're saying. Always. And so why? just to play out the scenario you're saying. Who benefits from that leak? It, because it's all done intentionally when you lead up to the draft. So let's just say Houston really likes C.J. Stroud. And they don't love Bryce Young. Yeah. And the word out there right now is that Carolina likes C.J. Stroud. Bingo. So if you're Houston and you're like, yeah, Bryce Young, he's about the same to us as Will Levis and or Anthony Richardson, they still have to get a quarterback, but they could feasibly move down and still right. get a quarterback. Right, exactly. You know, we, we could. We could move down. Uh, you know, Bryce, uh, you, uh, we love Bryce Young. We do. We He's such a great guy. He's in. Oh, his mentals are great, and his his soul is awesome. He's he's got everything that you want for a quarterback inside. But man, he's kind of slight. He's really slight, and I don't know if he's going to be able to take a, a NFL hammering over the course of a season. And he, because of that, oh boy, Will Anderson looks really really good. Maybe somebody else would like to move up to number two to get Bryce Young. Because we're not crazy about him. Is that what's happening? I don't know. I don't like the idea of anybody else getting Will Anderson. I've already kind of mentally put him on the Cardinals. But it's become pretty clear that he is the top non-quarterback in this draft. Don't you think? Like the consensus top non-quarterback. I would be shocked. I know you'd be shocked if the Colts don't trade up to number three. I would be shocked if the first non-quarterback off the board is not Will Anderson. Okay. That would surprise me. Okay, yeah, that would. That would really surprise me if it's not Will Anderson either. But who knows what's going on? This is what I love. Draft subterfuge. It is one of the most very heavily involved, intricate, detailed parts of being a general manager that nobody talks enough about. It's not only misinformation that is just wrong information based on audience, but it's disinformation, the willful, wanton desire to mislead. This is the time of year where it happens. What, what you may think is, is pure logic really is not. It's anything but logic. What you think is going to be a norm isn't. It's going to be the exception. This time of year, you trust nobody. I got to give you this too before we leave. Calais Campbell is visiting Jacksonville. (sighs) (laughs) Every time I bring up Calais Campbell, Wolf just sighs. Jacksonville. So he's going to go back to play. Is that it? Is that what we're we're I'd, guessing? I mean, you said Why? come home, and maybe he went to the wrong. Home. I know. I know. <laughs> what are you homes. doing? Okay, Calais. I wonder what he wants, though. I mean, again, 
the Arizona Cardinals aren't going to go out there and bring somebody in here and pay him. Maybe he just likes to $10 visit. $10 million. It's just not going to happen. Maybe he's just going on one of those tours of all the different facilities so. around the league. So yeah. he'll be he'll be totally prepared for that NFLPA survey next year because yeah. he's going to visit every team. <laughs> All right, that is it for us here today. Thanks to Lauren Koval and Jesse Morrison behind the glass. Thanks to everybody who joined and called into the show today. For Wolf, I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mumble.